Well, it is good to have you in this place today, whether you're with us on campus or whether you're with us online. Uh, as the senior pastor, there are a couple of announcements that I need to make this morning. First of all, you heard the guys talk about the fact that uh, children, uh, workers uh, are needed um, as the local schools are now removing mask mandates um, and things are starting to open back up a little bit more and COVID numbers are going down again. Uh, we're opening up more of our children's ministry and if you feel called to work with children, we would love to have you fill out an application on our website. Again, the app will help you do that. But you just watched a couple of boys be baptized in the earlier service. We baptized uh, three of our uh, a young lady um, two young ladies and a young man uh, from our children's ministry. So if you want to help make a difference in kids' lives, uh, this would be a great week for you to, to go and fill out that, uh, that application. We would love to have you uh, working with us there. The other thing I want to say to you is this. Throughout the pandemic, we're coming up on two years now. I mean, it's March this week. And uh, two years ago when we entered into the pandemic, uh, we were just scared to death uh, about what was going to happen in terms of the church's finances. And I just have to tell you, for two years, God has been so good and you have been so faithful. I am so grateful for the way that you have continued to support East Sides Ministries. And March is the last month of our financial year. And on the last Sunday in March, we're actually going to take a day and celebrate all the stuff God has done and look forward to some things we believe he's going to do in the next year. So if East Sides your church home, I want you to plan to be here with us on March uh, the 27th, I think is the last Sunday in March as well. So I want to encourage you to, to join us that day. But between now and then, you need to know. While our giving was very, very good for two years, we had a great December year-end giving. In January and February of this, of this year, the last couple of months, our giving to the operating fund and to our missions giving has kind of dipped just a little bit. So if you're behind, please consider this your invitation to catch up, all right? And, uh, and if you've never joined us uh, in giving and being a part of what God is doing here at Eastside, that's an open invitation to you, And unless you're just here as a guest. If you're here as a guest, we just want you to know we don't expect you. You, you. You're welcome. I mean, we're not going to give you your money back if you give it to us, all right? But, uh, but we want you to know there's no expectation. You're our, you're our guest here today. Uh, and so this is kind of like we buy you lunch. This is on us, okay? But if this is your church home, we want to encourage you to be a steward of everything that you've got. And just be a reminder that our financial year ends on March 31st. So I want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that. Now, having said those two things, there's one more thing we've got to do. Uh, as Heather said, we... We had planned this service. Uh, in fact, the, the early planning for my sermon actually began in July. So what I'm about to preach for you today, I want you to understand, is not a knee-jerk reaction to what's going on in the world, all right? Before we heard anything about Putin and the Ukraine, we, we were planning on going through the Sermon on the Mount and being on this part of the Sermon on the Mount today, which talks about retaliation. But before we get into it, I think we have to acknowledge what's happening in the world. Because you see, I have friends. I have Russian friends. This congregation has sent at least one work camp to Chalabinsk, Russia. We have, we have brothers and sisters in Christ in Russia. I also have brothers and sisters in Christ in New Ukraine. You have, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have, quote unquote, spiritual family in both of these countries. And in both places, there are people trying to figure out what to do in light of this kind of war and conflict. And our brothers and sisters in Russia 
and our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine need our prayers. But also, all the people in Ukraine need our prayers. And so I'm gonna invite you to do something with me this morning. Ever since we went online, we've really not taken an opportunity very often to do this just because of our time constraints. But this morning, we just decided, you know what? It's time to kind of lay those aside for a little bit, and we're gonna pray. And what I'm gonna invite you to do with me right now is whatever posture of prayer feels comfortable for you, if you're just, you know, if you just wanna stay in your seat, that's fine. Um, if you wanna slide over to one of the altars, that's fine. But however you want, I, I just wanna lead us, and I want you to join me. I'm gonna voice the prayer, but I'm gonna invite you to take just a few minutes with me, and let's pray together for peace. Let's pray together for strength for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are caught in the midst of this global conflict, okay? Let's pray together. Abba, Papa, you sent Jesus Christ to reconcile a fallen, broken world back to you. We don't have it within ourselves to, to do that. And no matter how powerful world leaders believe they are, no matter how much wisdom human beings come together to try to create, none of our wisdom and none of our power compares to your wisdom and your power. And since we know people on both sides of this conflict who have bowed the knee and called Jesus Christ their Savior and Lord, we know people in both countries who, who need you right now to protect them, to give them wisdom. And Lord, we need you, particularly today, our hearts break for the, for the children in the Ukraine, for the people we know in Russia who, who are not happy and not pleased that their government is, is sponsoring this kind of warfare that, that takes lives. And Lord, we know that they, you're not pleased when your children battle with each other. And so right now, we ask that in your power and in your wisdom, you would bring peace in the hearts of people. God, we would even go so far as to ask you to speak directly into the hearts of world leaders and stop this fighting. Stop this bloodshed. And help people to find a way through this that not only stops the bullets from flying, but begins to open hearts toward you. God, we thank you for, for pastors who, who have stayed the course or, or taken their family to the, to the border and then returned back to, to shepherd the people who can't get out of the country in the Ukraine. Right now, God, we pray that you would be with them that you would protect them. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would also, that you would also be with the followers of your son, Jesus Christ, in every level of society in Russia, that you would give them opportunity, that you would give them an opportunity to speak your grace, your truth, your love into places that can let justice roll down and peace be made. And God, for all of us who sometimes want to think that all the 
all the anger and all the retaliation is somewhere else in the world? Would you speak into our, our homes and our lives and bring the same kind of wisdom and peace and discernment that we just ask you to give world leaders to us about our life and where we live? For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Some of you are going to recognize the words I'm about to say because your children drove you crazy watching a Disney film. Others of you are going to recognize the words I'm about to say because you're the children who drove us crazy watching the Disney film. The words are simply these, okay? I love this. It's a tale as old as time. And it's a song as, oh yeah, y'all watched it, didn't you? All right. Some of the older ones in here are going, what are you talking about? It's Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. It's a tale as old as time. It's a song as old as rhyme. Now, I will have to confess to you, the voices I heard repeating that part were predominantly female, okay? Just let you know. And when the authors of that of that movie, when the authors of that song, the songwriters chose those lyrics, they were, they were talking about people falling in love. That, that really, it, it, you know, it's a tale as old as time. It, it, it's a song as old as rhyme. People fall in love, beauty and the beast. But can I tell you something? There's another story that is a tale as old as time. And it's a song as old as rhyme. And it's the story of people not falling in love, but, but people being angry and people retaliating. And, and, and in this Sermon on the Mount that we've been diving into these weeks in the For You series, as we're discovering what Jesus said on that mountainside to the thousands of people gathered there, and as he's talked to them about what it means to, to, to be blessed and to understand that your blessing is not about the conditions of your life, it's about the presence of God in your life. And as he talked to them about, about their sexual gratification and, and he talked to them about their integrity and he, and he talked to them about all the things we've been talking about for the last month. He, in each place, he uses this phrase, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And now he, he steps it up. We, you know, every one of these, but you've heard it said, but I say unto you. It's, it's almost as if with every one of them, he's like lifting us up just a little bit higher toward what God wants to do in our life. And, and today we come to a passage where, where Jesus begins to talk and he says, you've heard it said unto you, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And what he was talking about was the, the way in which people process being wounded, process being hurt, process being taken advantage of. And he launches into this discussion, and, and it's a radically different discussion than anyone else in his era, and I would suggest anyone else in our era could even consider. Because what Jesus is about to propose when he says, you've heard it said, he said, you've heard it said, and that's all the human wisdom. But I say unto you, he now suddenly begins to take it to another whole level. Listen to the words from Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start reading at verse 38. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 
And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others do? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now for all of you whose stomach just went in a knot when I said you must be perfect, relax. We're going to get there in a minute, all right? I'm not, Jesus is not suggesting perfectionism here. Jesus is, is talking about something that's better than that. But what I told you about from Beauty on the Beast, about the fact that the, the, the saying is true about retaliation, is because throughout the pages of Scripture, you can discover what it means. That it's a tale as old as time. It's a song as old as rhyme. From the very foundations of humanity, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, you're going to find that humans retaliate out of survival. Humans always retaliate for survival. I mean, if you watch the things that are happening in the Ukraine right now, uh, Putin believes that what he's doing is a matter of his nation's survival. There's a methodology, but it's not just nations. And it's not just people outside of Christian faith. If you're a human being, you are hardwired to retaliate to aggression in order to survive. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I mean, think about this. From the very beginning, Genesis chapter one, Adam and Eve, right? In the perfect garden, when the serpent approaches Eve and says to Eve, hey, the reason God doesn't want you to eat off that tree is because God thinks you will be as smart as he is and you'll be as powerful as he is. And, and what happens? Eve, in her humanity, created by God, breathed in his, his spirit, created in her image, in his image, she says, hey, wait a minute. I, I want to be smart. I, I want to have, God is cheating me. God's doing something against me. He's withholding from me. And so what does she do? She breaks her covenant with God. Or, or think about the, the, the story of Joseph and his brothers. Here's Joseph, chosen by God, favorite of their father. The brothers are all jealous. So what do they do when God starts giving dreams to Joseph and Joseph starts telling them about the dreams and how they're all gonna bow down to him and, and he's gonna save his family? And they take him and say, we'll show you, little brother. And they throw him in a well. And they sell him off into slavery. Why? Because humans retaliate in order to survive. It's what we do when left to our own resources. Uh, try another one out of the Old Testament. Try the story of Daniel, right? Daniel in the lion's den. Why was he in the lion's den? Because the king thought he was a threat. Because he wouldn't bow down. Because he wouldn't conform. 
and he followed God instead, the king looked at him and said, you know what, you're in the lion's den. Or what about his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children, the same king, when they won't bow down, what does he do? He puts them in a fiery furnace, a furnace so hot that the men who threw them in were killed, and it doesn't kill them. There's some amazing stories in the Old Testament about human beings who retaliate out of survival mode. That's why Jesus says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever's gonna happen, you can retaliate at the same level. See, he wasn't really talking about if somebody pokes you in the eye, you poke them in the eye. (laughs) What he was really talking about was that if somebody harms you, you, you have been taught, your natural instinct is to retaliate at the same level. And, and so when you do that, you are living out of the hardwiring of your sinful nature. And this entire Sermon on the Mount is about learning how to be the people of God, the sons and daughters of God, who live beyond our humanness by the presence of God with us, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us to change us. See, the the power of the Holy Spirit to change you and me is not just something we feel when we're in a worship service. The power of the Holy Spirit to change us is not just, oh, we left a church service and the Spirit was real and oh, it was good, did you feel that? No, no, the power of the Holy Spirit is so much more. The power of the Holy Spirit is the power to be at work in your life, to change you to create in you and me what Jesus was saying to the thousands of people on the mountainside. You've heard it said this, but I say unto you. And and when he said, look, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, he was describing the way the world retaliates in order to survive. But the problem with that, because some of you are looking at me going, hey, pastor, what's the problem with that, right? I mean, I got, if you want, you hit me, I'm gonna hit you harder. And and the fact is, when you do that, unbeknownst to you, you end up damaging yourself, not just the other person. When I was a kid growing up, my father was too cheap to get cable, all right? Some of you guys live like that, right? I mean, particularly college kids, no cable. You guys all Hulu everything or whatever, stream it, okay? So there was this old black, back, back in the day, all right, in the dark ages when I was a kid, all right, if you were too poor for cable, you watched the local TV stations. And the local TV stations, okay, ran shows that the networks wouldn't pick up. So what they did, they got the old shows. And where I grew up, they, they would show these old shows by two comedians from the 1930s, they're black and white shows, Abbott and Costello. And, and I loved watching Abbott and Costello as a kid. And one of the, in particular, one of their skits just always stuck in my mind. Maybe it's because my human nature is, hey, you hit me, I'm gonna take you out, man. I mean, I got two brothers. They learned that lesson the hard way. You hurt me, I hurt you worse. And, and, and so I know this human nature thing. But the Abbott and Costello skit was hilarious. Because Luke Costello came walking up to Bud Abbott, and he says, hey, you know that guy down at the corner, the bully that's always picking on everybody? Abbott's like, yeah, I, 
I, I, I've seen him. And, and Costello's wearing, he's wearing a trench coat, right? And he's like, I'm tired of him picking on everybody. Every time I walk past that corner, he goes and he taps me in the chest and tries to get my money and bully me. He said, I'm tired of that bully. So what I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix him. I've, I'm going to get him. Which <laughs> Abbott looks at him and says, really? What, 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 what are you going to do? And he opens up the trench coat. And he's wearing dynamite all across his chest. And in the dynamite, there's a, a little bottle of nitroglycerin. And he looks at Abbott and he says, I'm going to walk down there. He's putting the coat back on. And when he thumps me in the chest... He's going to hit that nitroglycerin. It's going to explode this dynamite and it's going to blow his hand off. To which his friend said, and it's going to kill you. I, friends, I have to tell you something. I've seen lots and lots of people in the world. Lots and lots of people in the life of the church. Lots and lots of people in government, lots and lots of people in society who have a, a, a Luke Costello attitude about bullies. I'm going to get you eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And they retaliate and they end up killing themselves just like his plan would have killed him. Because the fact of the matter is when Jesus sat on a mountainside and he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He was addressing the basic human nature that we retaliate to survive. But he was also saying to us, you were made for more than this. You were made for more. In fact, he even picks some illustrations that sound kind of strange to us. To say, you know what, it's more than just that you retaliate at the same level the aggression hits you. It, it's that you, you're a part of a culture that has tried to manage and contain the retaliation by limiting the retaliation in, for the sake of the, of the cultural survival. It's not just a you and me surviving. This is about culture surviving. This is about society surviving. So societies have created laws. Societies have created social mores. Cultures have created patterns of life that, that are designed to, to limit the aggression, limit the retaliation, and promote human justice. And cultural limitation for the sake of cultural survival and justice is, is something that most of us are kind of glad we have. And yet Jesus says, no, listen, that doesn't even work. It's not just enough that your basic human nature to retaliate when somebody is aggressive to you is a survival mode for a human being. Your culture has created these things. Your society has created these things. And you've got to know they're not enough either. I mean, look at the way he says it. These words that he, that he says to them that seem kind of foreign to us. Uh, let me read them for you again, and then I want to explain them to you. They're, they're on the screen, or you can turn in your Bible if you'd like to Matthew 5. I'm going to start at verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. 
and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. What Jesus is talking about are some practices that were going on in Israel because Israel was an occupied nation. They were a nation that a foreign government and a foreign army had come in and had taken over the land. And, and these practices were what everybody on the mountainside knew that day. I mean, the, the first one is this. Do not, do not resist the one who's evil. If, anyone is going to, if anyone's going to, to slap you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, here was a, it was a normative thing for a Roman soldier to see a Jewish person. And if that Jewish person did not did not please them with their behavior, if they mocked them, if they, the, the common, common thing would be to what we would call backhand them across the right cheek. They would take their hand and they would backhand them across the other person's right cheek. And, and slaves did it, or masters did it to slaves. And it was, a, it was, a, it was really a sign of humiliation. It wasn't like they were gonna fight you. No, no, I'm treating you like my slave. And Jesus says, look, inside of you when that happens, when somebody hits you that hard, when somebody hurts you that bad, when that aggression takes at your soul, he, he, what he wants them to know is, you know what? If you retaliate at the same level, it's gonna fail. So instead of retaliating by escalating the conflict, turn the other cheek. So when they smack you across the right and your hand, head swims, then do this. Turn it the other way. Why? They can't hit you back with the right hand again on this. You just diffuse the situation. Or look at the next one. If anyone would sue you, and take your tunic. Now, the apparel of the day included a cloak, which was the inner clothing, and the tunic, which was a wrap around them. And it was common practice, particularly for the poor, to take their outer cloak, and, or their tunic, and to put it up as collateral for a loan. If they didn't have any land, if they didn't have any property, if they didn't own anything, they had just the clothes on their back, they could quite honestly take their outer cloak and they could offer it as collateral when they borrowed money from someone. So that if they couldn't repay the money, then when, when that person came to collect the debt, the practice was to, to take, their, take their cloak, take their outer garment. But here's the fun part of the story that we miss 2,000 years later. In that same culture, there were Old Testament provisions. You can read about them in Leviticus and some other places in the Old Testament that said that if all a person had was the, was the, the inner garments they had, that you couldn't take that for the, for the payment of the debt because that was all the person had. That's what they slept in. That was, that was basically, if you took that, they're just naked. And what Jesus is doing is he's, he's pulling out a situation in the lives of the people who are on the side of the mountain and he's saying to them, listen, when somebody comes and they have the right, you owe them the money and to collect the debt, they come and they take your tunic, your outer garment. 
then just go ahead and give them your energy. He's not telling everybody to run around naked. He's not, he's not doing that. He's using a, a way of talking, a way of dialogue that is, that is this exaggerated image. And what he's really saying is this. Listen, when the aggression comes, instead of retaliating, diffuse it by being so gracious to them that you look at them and say, you want this too? And then he takes it even further. He says, if someone forces you to go one mile. Now, what does he mean, forces you to go one mile? One of the practices of the Roman occupying army was to make the people they occupied know that they were subject to them by carrying their equipment. And, and carrying their equipment one mile. And the law of the land said, if, so, if a Roman soldier comes up to you as a Jewish citizen and says, hey, you need to carry my stuff, it was a crime not to carry it one mile. You had to do it one mile. And during the whole mile, what was common practice for some of these people was to, to under their breath, be saying things about the Romans. And what Jesus says is, hey, look, I want you to know when they come in and they're, they're aggressive with their power and when they're overwhelming you with their power and they're trying to demean you and they're trying to, to push you and they're trying to, to, to take out your identity and your integrity and, and who you are, I just want you to know the way you diffuse that is not with bitterness in your heart. The way you diffuse that is not planning your revenge. The way you diffuse that is to look at them at the end of a mile and say, you want to go another? Let's go, let's go one more. Now, why is Jesus saying all this? Because culture's limits that are intended to create justice, the, the cultural limits on, a, on retaliation and, and aggressiveness, they, they only work so far. They, they, they won't go any further. And, and what Jesus is trying to teach them, and the reason today I, I would take time for those of you on campus and those of you online, and even later this week, those of you who watch us on demand, to pray for Russia as well as the Ukraine is because the only way you really counteract the aggression of someone whose motives are impure is to match them with the purity of your motives. The only way you match the, the sinfulness of the world around you is to return it not with your own sinfulness, but with the purity of Jesus Christ in your heart. And the purity of Jesus Christ in your heart manifests itself in the way you act and the way you live. That's why in this series, we titled it For you. Now Malik gets it wrong. You know, he's for you. No, 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 no. It's for you, okay? We want you to know Jesus is for you. And the world right now, the world needs to know that followers of Jesus Christ are the people of God living in the kingdom of God. And while we have to deal with the kingdom of this world, and we have to do it, as Jesus would say in another passage, as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves 
We've got to allow the Spirit of God to so change us, the Holy Spirit of God to so shape us that our actions are so distinguishable from the others because they're just so radically different. And so Jesus looks at him and says, hey, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I say to you, when you come up against this aggression, respond this way. Because you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'm telling you, what? Listen. Listen to what he said. But I say to you, love your enemies. Oh, love my enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sunrise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors, who by the way were considered traitors because they were collecting Roman taxes from Jewish people and they were Jewish men and women themselves. Well, men, they wouldn't let women touch the money. Sorry, ladies. If you, if you greet only your brothers and sisters, if you're nice only to the people you know and like, are not even the Gentiles who don't even know about God, don't they do the same thing? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this is why I told you not to get the knot in your stomach because here's what you've got to know. You've got to know that Jesus replaces retaliation with love for the maturing people of God. That word that's translated in the English Standard Version, perfect. At its core, what it means is being perfected. A, a deeper meaning of it is people who are maturing. People who are being made whole. People who are being matured. See, that's who we're supposed to be. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And friends, I want you to know, I'm not preaching this sermon to you as someone who's going, I am perfect and you need to, because I am not. I'm not even sure I'm that mature. Please don't ask my wife. She will tell you I'm probably not. But what I will tell you is I'm on a journey with you. And in my life, in the last few years, God has had to work with me deep in my heart on some of these issues. Because I grew up, I grew up usually the smallest guy on the team. I grew up usually the newest guy in the school. I've told some of you before, I went to eight schools before I got out of high school. From first grade to 12th grade, I know what it means to be the new guy in town. Try to find your way. And along the way, as much as I tried to find acceptance, there were people who hurt me. Oh, and by the way, my dad was a preacher. So it wasn't just folks at school that sometimes hurt me. Sometimes it was the people in the church the things they said about me or my brothers or my dad or my mom or about my friends. And, and I understand that human nature that wants to retaliate. And I'll be honest, I, I, I've, I've wrestled with this whole process like some of you have. 
Because my tendency is just to shun them. If they hurt me, I don't, I don't you know. And here's the phrase we use, right? The phrase we use is this, I'll forgive you, but I ain't forgetting. Or, or here's, here, here's the one. It's like, I don't have to be around you. I have to love you. My wife always reminds me, what are you gonna do when you get to heaven and their house is next to yours? I'm like, they won't be there. But the last few years, the last few years, she always looks at me and goes, are you sure you're gonna be there? Uh, that, that's there too. But, but the last few years, God has been doing a work in me. Because I'll have to tell you, all of this kind of crystallized for me into like three specific people. There were three people, I, I won't call their names, I will tell you, none of them go to this church. I will tell you that, that they are people who were impactful in my life. And they said or did things that hurt me deeply. And for years, I, I, well, I ought to be really honest, for decades, for decades, I carried the wound that these three gentlemen, each independent of the other, they didn't, well, well, two of them know each other, but the other one doesn't even know the other two. And there were things they did to me when I was a young adult, things they said to me, actions that were taken that, that cut me to my core. I, there was no physical or sexual abuse. Not, don't, don't go down that rabbit hole. But if it happened for you, understand Jesus is in your rabbit hole and he can help you. But for me, these guys, they cut me to my core. And I would see them and I'd hear about them and I'll be very candid with you. I, 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 there were moments when I would be like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say hello, but I don't, I don't have to be around them. And absence, absence didn't make the heart grow any fonder. <laughs> absence just fed the wound. And then, to make matters worse, two of them became pastors. There are other preachers. They're telling people about Jesus, just like me. But they wounded me. But in the last few years, the last decade of my life, God has brought me opportunities to see this. While what they said and did wounded me, they never knew it. It was my problem, not theirs. And I was the one who was still carrying the wound and carrying the pain and, and thinking about retaliation. You say, how do you know they didn't know? Because for one of them, when my father passed away and dozens and dozens of preachers from around the country showed up in this place to honor my father's memory, he was one of those people that was here and in tears talked to me about how much, how much my family and my dad had meant to him. And something inside of me said, see, he never knew that he hurt you. And there were others. The, the other one, I, I got on social media. I only got on, I, I only got on the social media. I, honestly, I never even created my own Facebook account, y'all. The staff created it for me. I run it, okay? It's me on there. It's not anybody else. But I didn't even know how to start it back when it started. And I only got on Instagram and Twitter 
because my nephew was playing baseball at the University of Alabama and it was the way I could follow his career. And, and, and when that happened, I suddenly get a friend request from one of those guys. Well, I, 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 I thought about it. Do I really want to know what he's thinking and what he's doing in his life right now? Do I really want to know? And once I accepted it, it took me several days. He went to the private message part because I'd seen something in his life and just happened to say, hey man, proud of you. That's a great thing. I, I was trying to be better. He wrote me the most amazing message in a private message about who he thought I really was and the way God had used something I'd said when we were young to help change the direction of his life. And the Holy Spirit, maturing me, said, hey, Carrie, look, man, you, you, you've been carrying this too long. Let it go. So that's why if you'll look in the little pocket of the chair in front of you, and I know you're going to have to reach for it because we're still socially distanced here. Or if you're on the front row or you're in the balcony, you'll find a pen and a little card. And the way we're going to close the service today is this. In honor and celebration of the new life of the, those who've been baptized, I'm going to invite all of us to replace retaliation with the love of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that love isn't just a fuzzy feeling. No, that word's agape. And it means I will put the other person first. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're on campus, is I'm going to ask you to, to take a minute while we're singing and write on that little card the name of a person. Now, if you're like me, I had to write three names. One guy first service said, can I write 18? I said, if you can get them on there. But I want to invite you to let today be a day. Just like these folks who were baptized were saying to you, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ my whole life. I'm going to invite you to let this be a day when you let, when you let retaliation go. And you just simply let Jesus heal you. And the way I'm going to ask you to do it is to write their name, first name probably, on a card. And we've moved these altars here today. And we've opened up the railings on them. They've got a little slot here. And while we sing, for those of you on campus, I'm going to ask you to just simply bring your card forward. Now, if you really are afraid, in fact, if they're sitting next to you, you may, you may want to double it over three or four times. All right. But I'm going to invite you to bring it and place it in this altar. And for those of you who are online, Pastor Jason in our online campus, he's going to give you some instructions on how you can, with confidence and confidentiality, do the same thing we're doing through our online campus. Release, release this stuff. And let Jesus Christ start to mature you.